0: A few uh, years ago, I grew the world's most expensive tomato. It's true. I uh, framed out this spot in the yard that was the sunniest spot and uh, bought the expensive soil, soaker hose, timer for the hose to come on and off, and steaks and all the rest of it and everything else that you have to buy to grow some tomatoes, and then came the aphid and horned worm apocalypse. <laughs> and so every morning I'd go out and try to clear out the rows of tomato plants and all of these little worms that were attacking them. And then and eventually, eventually, we had one tomato. And uh, it, was a, it was a good tomato. But it was kind of like that um, that commercial, you know, um, uh, the credit card commercial. Um, you know, it goes something like this: um, landscape timbers, sixty dollars; um, expensive soil, twenty dollars; harvesting the season's only edible tomato, priceless. Right. <laughs> So, it's hard to grow things on purpose. The next week I came out and it was amazing, all the things that were growing in this one little patch of soil. It was incredible. It was like this this incredible wilderness of stuff that was growing, none of which was edible, none of which I wanted to grow. It's true about you and it's true about me. Your heart, mind, soul, and strength, there are things that grow there that we don't necessarily want to have growing there. By accident, things grow. How do we grow things on purpose? How do we grow what needs to grow in the soil of your life, in your heart? How do we grow it on purpose? From the Word of God, John chapter 12, this encounter between Jesus and Mary And her excessive expression of worship. John 12, I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, For the poor, you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Let's pray together. Holy God, bless us now through your word, not only to our minds that we may understand what's being said here, but to our hearts to believe it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I understand that a jetliner uses almost a third of its fuel taking off. Doesn't matter how far it's going, a third of its fuel is burned just in the takeoff. You can feel that when you start a new habit, can't you? Maintaining it isn't tough. Growing something on purpose, something new, developing a new discipline. Reinventing yourself trying to break an old pattern and start a new one, going on some kind of a special diet. I had to bring that up. It's tough to grow something on purpose that needs to be growing in your life. You know, they say that Hitler was an artist. We don't have any of his art. I wonder if it was easier for him him to pursue the, e- the evil course that he pursued than to stare at a blank canvas and try to create something. It's difficult to grow on purpose. So how do we do it? How do we do it? What does this scripture say about us growing, continuing to grow your whole life through? You know, somebody said that if if uh, if you know that God is growing you, your entire life, then maybe then you'll be more willing to stay for the whole ride. How do you keep growing? How do you keep growing? Well, you have to accept yourself. You have to know yourself, and you have to forget yourself. Let's take a look. People who grow on purpose accept themselves. They accept themselves. Because they put themselves regularly into a pattern of life where they are in the presence of the one who made them and accepts them. There is a regular pattern to their life of worship. There is there is an appointment with God. To be in the presence of the one who says, I accept you. Without worship, we shrink. Without worship, we shrink. But in worship, in the presence of God, in a regular pattern of being with God and having reinforced and sown deeply into your life, That the one who made you accepts you. That's when you can begin to grow on purpose. It's a little like this. A relationship can grow. I've heard somebody say this, that, 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 that he married his wife because he loved who he was when he was with her. I love that. Aren't there people in your life that you just, you just like yourself better with that person? They accept you, and you accept yourself better when you're with that person, and that relationship can grow, and you, as a result, can grow. You can be more who you are. You can put yourself out there more. To accept yourself is what we see Mary doing. She... She doesn't care what the room is about. She has completely forgotten, you know, that there are people there. She is pouring out an extravagant gift upon Jesus' feet. And she's wiping it off with her hair. There's, There's an interesting kind of intimacy there in that image. And it's important that we understand there is a personal, very intimate connection here. You say, okay, so, so you're telling me, Tim, that, that what I need to do is spend more time in quiet times and prayer. Not necessarily. What, I, what I'm saying is, is, that, is that Mary is in the midst of all the other disciples in kind of a public setting, worshiping Jesus, And you say, well, you know, okay, I'm uncomfortable doing that, and so I'm just going to spend a little bit more time in in quiet time. Well, will you? Will you do that? You know, I think I've I've mentioned this before, that that my wife Beth and I uh, had a regular meeting, weekly meeting, that neither of us attended. Early in our marriage, we we had a weekly meeting, but neither of us attended it. It was a Friday morning meeting, and we had decided we are going to talk about calendar and talk about finances and talk about plans and all that kind of stuff regularly, and so we got into this pattern uh, to to plan to meet together on Friday mornings, and we regularly had this meeting that neither of us attended until we finally decided that it was 8.45 on Friday morning, and then we started to show up. There was a certain, you know, appointment that was made. Oh, that sounds very romantic, Tim. Well, it's pretty amazing how romance can, um, can grow when you're staying connected to each other, when you're checking in about all those practical things, when you're, you're, you have an appointment. You're creating time and space for the relationship to grow. That's... Worship on Sunday mornings. There is an accountability here. There is a pattern here. There is time and place set for you to be in the presence of the one who accepts you. If you're going to grow, if you're going to keep growing your whole life long, you have to learn to accept yourself. You don't see that with Martha. It's interesting here. Martha, it doesn't call it out, but you can see what's Martha doing. You know from another passage that, that Mary and Martha are serving. There's another time when Mary and Martha are, are there and, and Mary is sort of connected with Christ and, and, and uh, Martha is just serving at the tables and she's busy and she's trying to win approval. She's trying to get validation. You can see by the way that she engages with Jesus. Tell her to get up here and help me. And... Martha says, Martha says to Jesus, and Jesus says, she's chosen the better course. It's not to neglect all those, those other parts of serving, but it's to say, look, we can, we, can, we can be in a pattern and totally miss connecting with God. You may be memorizing scripture, you may be reading the, the latest new book, you may You may have all kinds of ducks in a row, but be missing the relationship. You need to be in that place where you can be accepted and accept yourself. Because second, you need to know yourself and only accepted people, people who feel accepted can really know themselves. You need to know yourself. You need to accept yourself so that you can know yourself. It's a little like this. If you haven't made the team yet and the coach starts to criticize you, Boy, that's pretty threatening, isn't it? If you haven't made the team, whatever team that is, but the coach starts to call you out and saying, you know, you're you're not doing it quite right, that's pretty threatening, isn't it? But after you've made the team, you know that the coach just wants you to get better, right? And so when you've made the team, when you've gotten the acceptance, when you can accept yourself and you know you've got a place, then you can receive Knowledge about yourself that sometimes is a little uncomfortable. You know, denial is a powerful thing. You and I walk around with, with a lot of blind spots. We don't know ourselves the way we think we know ourselves. We, here's a scary thought. We don't know ourselves the way maybe even a stranger knows you. There are blind spots that you and I have. We need to have the acceptance so that we can continue to learn about ourselves. This is what David says. David says in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now some people, and sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me. We have blind spots, and we don't even know it. You ever talk to somebody who has sort of a blind spot that they're always turning the conversation back to themselves? You know, maybe you say, you know, uh, I'm just having a bad day today. My dog died yesterday, and uh, everybody's really upset about it, and they say the first thing out of their mouth is, I had a gerbil who died once. You're like, I was just talking about my dog that died, and now you want to talk about your pet gerbil that died 10 years ago. What, what happened here? Just... Hijack this conversation. And, and, and there are people that in your life that are like that, and sometimes it's you and sometimes it's me. We don't always know how we're coming across. We have blind spots. We need to continue to be known and to know ourselves. Judas didn't know himself. Why? He was the treasurer of Jesus' little band of brothers. The treasurer trusted with the money. He was there in body, but he wasn't there in spirit. He was living a double life. He wasn't really willing to be known by his brothers. He wasn't really willing to be known by Jesus and by his peers. He didn't, he showed up to the small group, he showed up to the Sunday school class, but he really wasn't taking any kind of risks, personal risks. Do you have a place where people are knowing you, where you're known by other believers who can speak into your life, who can give you some feedback? Do you have first that level of acceptance that would give you the confidence to put yourself out there? And do you have a place where you're not just constantly trying to get validation but willing to receive honest feedback so that your blind spots can go away. You know, uh, an author I like said that that a good ego, a healthy ego, is like your toes. They're just there. They're not calling attention to themselves. (laughs) They just work, right? But here is Judas, who is just always pulling. Why, why, Why is that? He's living a double life. He's one guy on Sunday and somebody else the rest of the week. He's one guy in what he's saying, but his heart and mind are far from God. Well, to some extent, that's each one of us. And so we need to be in a regular pattern of worship. We need to be in a regular pattern of connecting with our peers so that those blind spots can gently become filled with light can slowly just become irrelevant? Do you have that place? Do you have that pocket of believers where trust is growing? It's not to come up, and it's not to show up uh, and say, okay, gosh, I've got to get in a small group and I've got to, pour oil on somebody's feet and wipe it with my hair. It's not, it's not that, that level of ready, relate, or, you know, quickly be intimate with a bunch of people. It's, it's to say that, that there are places here at, at, at FPC, places uh, that'll meet right after this. There are a growing number of small groups, and over the next couple of weeks, you'll hear of a couple of opportunities for you to plug into a small group where you can develop the trust and at your pace begin to be known so that you can know yourself. You gotta accept yourself. You gotta know yourself. And then you gotta forget yourself. People who grow on purpose, not by accident, they're regularly in worship with the one who accepts them. They're regularly with around other believers and in the presence of other believers, knowing and being known. And then they're in a place where they can begin to forget themselves. Now, what do I mean by that? What does the scriptures, what do the scriptures here mean by that? You see, Judas, Judas is concerned about the poor, right? No, he's not, right? It even says it for us, right? It's like you can kind of see through it when he says it. But then it's just, John just makes it indelible. It's like, no, uh, he said this because, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. It's just kind of plain there at this point. John's writing this later in, in life, and, and they were, I guess he got sort of blunt later in life. And, because he had charge of the money bag and he used to help himself. See, there's a connection that Jesus is making. It's a connection he's made before. He says, as you have done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me right? Jesus is making, makes that comment about children. He makes, he makes that implication about the poor as well. That that the last and the least and the lost, the people in your life on the margins, people who are living in the shadows. If you don't understand that that person is made in the image and nature of God, then your view of yourself and of humanity is going to shrink and shrink and shrink. Do you see how worship is tied up in service in that respect? That Judas truly valuing who Jesus is, that Judas seeing that Jesus is a person who is made in the image and nature of God, that Jesus' life breathes into the believer to bring new life, Brings a weight and worth to human life. That without it, you can do all the good deeds in the world and you're still eventually going to burn up in the sun. You see what I'm saying? You see, there are all kinds of people who advocate for the poor these days, but it's really about them. <laughs> there are people who are so up in arms and, and such advocates, quote unquote. For a cause, whether it's a cause on the left side of the political spectrum or on the right side of the political spectrum, people who try to identify with somebody on the margins in such a way that they actually have created their own idol, their own religion, their own way of justifying themselves. And that's what Judas is doing here. He's trying to justify himself. He's already betrayed God. He's betrayed himself. He's betrayed his integrity, his brothers. And yet, here he is trying to use the poor and use this situation to uh, virtue signal, right? We've got a new term for it these days, virtue signaling. He's saying, I am virtuous because I would have taken that nard, that, that expensive perfume, and I would have sold it and given it to the poor. You see, these days we have So many causes, but do we have the real link to the transcendent cause that brings weight and worth to human life? When you see the connection between worship and grow and serve, you can grow on purpose. It's like a combustion cycle everything relates to the other thing. You need spark, you need fuel. You need oxygen, you need worship, you need growth, you need service. You know, uh, I love this illustration that, that captures exactly what, what this passage is saying. It's, it's, it's the comparison between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. You know, the Jordan River connects them, right? And the Jordan River is a, is a very important image and metaphor and also important history. By the Jordan. And these two different bodies of water, one is alive and one is dead. You know, the migration pattern of the whole Middle East goes right across uh, the Sea of Galilee. There are scores of breeds of birds that, you know, thousands of birds and cranes and raptors that are moving across that sea where it's alive and there are fish, there's a food source, and there's 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 fresh water. And then just a, a, a few, four, few short miles s- south of that is the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, nothing is living there. It's, it's the, the lowest place on earth and the saltiest place, saltiest body of water on earth. And why is that? There's no outlet. That's the reason. The Sea of Galilee is alive because there's an outlet. The Dead Sea is dead because there's no outlet. Do you have an outlet? You say, Tim, I, I, look, look, I'm riding two elephants. One is called work and one is called home. I understand that. All right? And there's no room between these elephants. And you're saying you need me to serve. You're you're saying I should plug into a small group. You're saying that I need to be involved in in the lives of the last and the least and the lost. I've got these problems that just won't go away at work. And I've got this this family that I, I, I feel like I'm neglecting because of work and vice versa. I understand that. I've got a little work to do myself. I've got a family, and what I've discovered is that if you don't continue to challenge yourself to be outward, if you don't go like, like Bilbo Baggins on an adventure every now and then, if you just sit around and worry about grandma's doilies, in other words, that's what Bilbo was worried about. He's worried about grandma's doilies, right? And he was being called to an adventure then you're going to stop growing, and your problems are going to get bigger. they are going to feel bigger. Problems at work and at home, you're going to start to see them just so close up, you can't even see around them. You can't see, you can't see over them or under them. But when you have an outlet, when you have a place where you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're being stretched, you come back bigger to those issues at work and at home. And you become an inspiration to your family because of the problems that you're solving in this town or maybe around the world. You're participating in the redemption in the kingdom of God in our time. We are called to nothing less than that. John 7, 38, Jesus says it this way. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We're a church, and we're about all of these different programs, not just to get you busy, but to help grow you up so that you can win at work and win at home. We want you to be inspired, and we want your life to be inspiring to the people around you. But if that's going to happen... There needs to be a stream of living waters that comes into your life and flows out. That there is a worship. There's a place to worship. There's a place to clarify those waters of your life. And there's a source. You're sourcing somebody around you for their sake and not for your own. That's what it takes to grow on purpose. To accept yourself. To know yourself to forget yourself. That's pretty good. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for knowing us and loving us. To be known and and not loved is a horror. To be loved but not truly known is, is a falsehood. But to be known and loved is like being loved by God. Lord, I pray that in the coming season you would express that kind of community in us and through us and around us. In Jesus' name, amen.